Hi, my name is Steven Sindoni. Thank you for tuning into the broadcast of Nativity Star Theory. In today's program, I will share with you a very interesting story that was given to me by John Mayer, a high school teacher and avid hobbyist astronomer. After reading the story and doing a little research on the information, I felt compelled to create a YouTube video. In September of 1996, John Mayer, a high school teacher, asked two of his students at Detroit Catholic High School to use the computer to do a search for interesting astronomical phenomena which would have occurred between 10 B.C. and 10 A.D. as seen from Basra in southern Persia. With the use of astronomy computer programs, the students were able to explore the night sky from any vantage point on the Earth's surface. These programs place the moon, eight planets, and thousands of asteroids and comets in precise position for any time and date for several thousand years into the past or into the future. The idea that a search for astronomical phenomena during the time of Christ's birth might reveal candidates for the Bethlehem star was put forth. The computer found over 20 events and two of those outshone both figuratively and literally the others in a spectacular way. The first astronomical phenomenon was on the evening of June 17th in the year 2 BC. It was a conjunction of Jupiter and Venus in the feet of the constellation Leo the Lion. A few months later on, on the evening of October 13th, Jupiter and Venus once again converged, but this time in Virgo, the Virgin. We were struck by the symbolism that the ancient astronomer-astrologer would have placed on such an event. Venus and Jupiter are the brightest objects in the night sky, after the moon of course, and their meeting in the skies would have been a stunning visual experience for the ancients who happened to look skyward after sunset. Imagine the brightest aircraft landing lights and then double that brightness. On June 17th, Venus came so close to Jupiter that to the naked-eyed Middle Easterner, they became a single brilliant beacon impossible to ignore. The added fact that they converge in the feet of the lion near the bright star Regulus would have been as dazzling to the mind of the ancient scholar as it was to the eye of the dusty traveler. The symbolism surrounding these constellations shows that on June 17th, the year 2 BC, conjunction of Venus and Jupiter were the strongest candidate for the nativity star as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. And interestingly, any event that would be visually eye-catching to the common man and also significant intellectually to the pagan and to the Hebrew scholar. Let us now examine the conjunction. The constellations never move, thus we see the same constellations that the ancients saw. However, there are five very bright stars that are not content to stay in one place. They wander from constellation to constellation throughout the year. The Romans call these five lights planets, which means wanderers. Occasionally, these wanders would meet, conjunct, in a particular constellation, and this was ascribed with religious or prophetic significance by the pagan astrologer-astronomers. The Hebrew scholar would also recognize certain astronomical events as having symbolic importance. There are twelve constellations which the five planets ceaselessly move through in the course of a year. 
These are the zodiacal constellations. Over the ages, a rich tapestry of myth has arisen around each of these 12 houses. The constellation Leo has a very interesting history that goes back to the ancient civilizations of Sumer and Egypt. At the temple of Dendera, an Egyptian zodiac represents Leo as a lion standing on an outstretched serpent. The Babylonians likewise saw the lion in this constellation. The ancient Greeks identified it as the famous Nemean lion who was said to have originated the moon and whose conquest by Hercules constituted one of the twelve labors. Babylonian tablets recorded observations of the lion from about 2100 BC. The lion in Babylonian thought represented royalty. Of great importance to the pagan scholar was the bright star Regulus which comprises the lion's four paw. According to R. H. Allen, the star was known in Arabia as Malachi, the kingly one, while in ancient Greece it was the star of the king. In ancient Babylonia it was Sheru, or the king. To the even more ancient Akkadians of Mesopotamia, it represented Amilgaor, a legendary king of the celestial sphere who ruled before the great flood. The Hindu title Magha signifies the mighty or the great one, while the Persian name Mayan seems to mean the central one or the star of the center. The Arabian Al-Kab al-Assad means the heart of the royal lion. And to the ancient Hebrews, the lion, of course, was a tribal sign of Judah. Not only does the June 17th conjunction occur in the lion, but even more importantly, it occurs very close to the royal star Regulus between the feet of the lion. To the pagan astronomer-astrologer of virtually every culture of that day, the positioning of these planets was an unequivocal message that something very important was about to happen. That a new king was about to enter upon the stage of history, as the venerable German biblical scholar and archaeologist Alfred Jeremiah describes in his monumental work, The Old Testament in the Light of the Ancient East. In the constellation Leo, Regulus, the royal star, is between the feet. Amongst the Babylonians, Regulus was already called the royal star. In the astrological horoscopes, anyone born at the rising of Regulus would become king. Virgo possesses a body of lore and legend that is far more ancient than any of the other constellations. The stories trail off into the mists of prehistory. As with Leo, the details vary greatly from culture to culture, but the basic theme is universal, R.H. Allen says. In India, Virgo was Kanya, or the Maiden. In Persia, it was Sekdios Didarzama, translated Virgin and Maiden Neatness. Arabian astronomers called it Al-Adra, Al-Antifa, the Innocent Maiden. The Turkmen's knew the constellation as Dafhiza, Pakhiza, the Pure Virgin, and the Chinese as Shisang Nu, the Frigid Maiden. Virgo was the only feminine personage in the zodiac. The Romans sometimes called her Pax, and at other times she was identified as a Roman goddess, Justa or Justia, the divinity of justice. In the Middle Ages, the constellation was seen as the Virgin Mary with the child Jesus. Shakespeare alluded to it as Titus Adronicus, as a good boy in Virgo's lap. R.H. Allen summarizes Virgo's meanings to the ancients. She is the oldest purely allegorical representation of innocence and virtue. Let us now examine the meaning of Jupiter and Venus to the ancients, the law of analogies. To the pagan, the planet Jupiter was considered to be the king of the universe, the god above all other gods. Jupiter was also known as Jove, which means father of light. Jupiter is the Roman equivalent of the Greek god Zeus, the father of all the Olympian gods. 
Venus, on the other hand, is associated with Ishtar, or Queen of the Stars, the only feminine personage of the planets. The so-called Law of Analogies associates each of the five planetary personas with a particular zodiacal constellation. In more simple terms, each planet has its house in which it is said to dwell. Venus, his house, is the only feminine constellation, Virgo. And, as Virgo, she, Venus, bears the child. And likewise, the house of supreme king of the heavens, Jupiter, is the kingly constellation, Leo. Conjunctions of any of the five bright planets may occur in any of the twelve zodiacal constellations. Therefore, it must be noted that the conjunction of Venus and Jupiter on June 17th, the year 2 BC, in Leo, followed four months later, on the evening of October 13th, by a second meeting of Venus and Jupiter, this time in Virgo, the house of Venus, is a remarkable bit of cosmic symmetry. Mercury and Mars point the way. And it was on June 17th, the year 2 BC, that four of the brightest planets inhabited the western sky of the night. And only Saturn is elsewhere that night. But the truly remarkable thing is that all four planets are closely associated with the royal star Regulus. And on that very magical night, Venus and Jupiter blend into one brilliant glow at the left of Regulus, Mercury and Mars aligned with Regulus on its right to form a perfect line down to the northwestern horizon. The lines point to a spot on the horizon 298 degrees from due north or 28 degrees north of due west. And what is this line pointing to? The answer to that question depends upon where the observer is standing on the surface of the earth. If the Magi were from Persia, as is generally proposed today, then the line would have directed them a few hundred miles north of Israel, towards southern Turkey. However, if the celebrated wise men were Arabic, then this celestial line would have directed their eyes precisely to Jerusalem. It is fascinating to note that many of the earliest historians placed the Magi in Arabia. And though the Venus-Jupiter conjunction of the year 2 BC runs up against three problems, the first being the season of Jesus' birth, the second problem being the scriptures written according to Matthew, and the third problem would be the death of Herod the Great. And in closing, here is one last thought I would like you to ponder. Could the conditions have been right on June 17th, the year 2 BC, one hour after sunset, that the bone-dry desert air would already have a chill as the Magi stood affixed, staring up into the blue light as Venus slowly moved toward Jupiter until their lights merged into a single dazzling white star above the western horizon? And just to the west of this blazing light, they see the royal star Regulus? And did these Magi prepare a caravan and set out on the arduous journey across the burning Arabian desert, first to Damascus, a journey of several weeks, and by mid-October they find themselves entering the gates of Jerusalem? Were these alignments of planets and stars a product of chance choreographed by the laws of gravitational and celestial mechanics? Or did the creator of space and time and gravity place a message in the clockwork that the God of Abraham was about to begin his work of redemption of all men in a little village just outside of Jerusalem? We may never have the answers to any of these questions. I'd like to thank everyone for watching Nativity Star Theory.